Hello and welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. For some, the angels are just a baseball team in Los Angeles. For others, demons makes them think of DePaul University. Or is that Northwestern State? And there are others at the opposite end of the spectrum, finding angels or demons under every bed. But what does the Bible say? Lead teacher Randy Pope begins a new series called The Unseen, this message entitled The Unseen World, which covers 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 18. Thank you for joining us today. Let's pray together as we uh, begin a new series. Our Father, we want to anticipate what you would like to do in our hearts over these next weeks. As we deal with a very important and somewhat dangerous subject matter. I pray that you would protect me, protect this church, uh, protect us as we seek to learn how to deal in a world of the unseen. I pray, Father, you would give us hearts of faith and minds of, of intellect to be able to think well and to, in the heart, grasp and submit to what we find to be true. We pray, Father, that Several weeks down the road, when this series is completed, that something will have happened that would have shaped us as individuals, this church collectively, so that your kingdom would be so much more visible in our own thoughts, our own understanding, your ways, your angelic beings, every aspect of how we cope in a world, much of which we cannot see. Grant it, we pray. Work in our hearts. And I pray for our friends here yet to understand what does it mean to really be your follower. Let them fall in love with you, we pray. And we give you thanks in the great name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Think how dramatically life would be altered if one day the President of the United States interrupted regular scheduled programming on TV and radio and were to announce that there had been an invasion of thousands and thousands of genetically bred supernatural beings into our land, the United States of America, with the single intention of destroying the lives of every single American. With that, there would be panic in most places. There would be fear everywhere. And say, what in the world? How can it be? But is it true? And and there would be an alteration of the way people thought about everyday activities you know. Everyone would have an eye out watching and kind of looking and, and checking around. The security of our own lives and the lives of our loved ones would be first and foremost. The idea of waking up every day and saying, hey, let's think about the job. Let's think about the family. Let's think about our recreation would take a second seat to all. And now it would be, how do we live through life in light of the realities of what's happening now in this United States? Maybe weeks go by and another update from our president. He informs us at that time that, that these beings, supernatural as they may be, have got invisible weaponry 
that cannot even be explained. That with this weaponry, though cannot see it with the, with the eye, has the ability of capturing the minds of individuals within this land to control the thinking of our children. That has the ability not only to affect us mentally, but emotionally. Able to take us into places of depression. That there's a, a physical capability as well to destroy, even to kill. And that you've got to be careful because it is invisible and you can't see it, but it is real. With that announcement, I would suggest that there would be large numbers of people in this United States that would begin to dismiss the reality. Far too strange, far too uncommon. Therefore, eh, life goes on. And now, a little thought here and there, maybe, but pretty much life as usual. But over time, there begins to be a growing awareness that no one can deny that something is strangely happening to the thinking, first of the leadership of this land. Decisions are being made in the legislature. The top government officials are beginning to give directions that can can only be viewed with logic to destroy and to hurt and to harm. And, and people are, are looking in, in amazement, saying, what's happening? Begin to watch the youth and the youth culture of today and kids that have every reason for a hopeful future with all the best of everything in life are now becoming so depressed that untold thousands begin to take their lives, many of which unexpected by their loved ones. And all of a sudden, we begin to see the, the psychiatric wards and the, the rehab centers are overflowing, that there's something happening. And strange enough, there's a connection by many to say, yes, you remember the announcement. Look what's happening. And then the debate begins. Is it or is it not? Is it real? Is it not real? Much misinformation would take place. People would begin to go to extremes and start saying things that are so extreme that they're not even, it's not even likely. It's not going to be true. While other people on the other side deny everything and say, there's no, there's nothing out there. Let's just live life. There, from that point on, would be a growing debate. You know, I, I share that story to introduce this series that I'm going to entitle The Unseen. The reality is that this world has been invaded by an angelic force of beings. We know them as angels. Angels good, angels evil. They have weaponry that we can't even describe, certainly can't see, but is destroying the minds and the hearts of people. Everything I shared in the story, reality, spiritually speaking, and from the life we see, and the debate rages today. Is there an angelic world? Is there not? Who knows? Most of us wake up every day, even as those who say, I believe in an angelic world, wake up day in and day out and live life as if there were not. It rarely comes to mind. We don't think about it. We don't live as if it exists. 
There's no war going on between the good and the bad angels in many of our thinking. It's just life as normal. It's about the deal. It's about the golf game. It's about the vacation. It's about the new acquisition that we make, whatever it may be. And here comes the word of God that says, yes, there is an angelic world, and the angelic world impacts every one of our lives on every single day. Let me ask you, you believe that? I know many of you don't. There are incredible numbers here that would be very skeptical. Many would say, well, I guess there is, but I'm not sure it affects daily life. There would be some here that have some extreme views. I mean, they go way, way, way out there that have to be dismissed. And there are other people who say, I don't see anything at all. Who knows what's existing among this crowd right here? I know this, it is, it is my job to help equip you, the people of God, and to help those that are trying to figure out what does it mean to be a follower of Christ. It's my job to help equip you and prepare you. It should be that it's my role to help you believe in the realities of an unseen world. It's my job to to help equip you so that you can deal with it in an appropriate way, to get you out of the extremes and into the realities of what God has to say about this very, very important subject matter. And I'm going to hope that you're going to stay through this series. Some little pieces of it might feel a little bit academic, particularly today, because I've got to just give you some framework. I might have to give you some, just some data and understanding of what is so that over the weeks to come we can understand how do we deal with it How do we use this information? Having said that, we're going to start this week with kind of an introduction, an overview of the unseen world. We'll be looking at angelic beings, both in its original uh, concept of of the, the design and the creation of what we call angels, to the understanding of the fall of angels, to the evil world of demonic as we know it. But then over the weeks to come, we're going to dig into some of these topics. We're going to talk about the unseen enemy, the evil one himself. We're going to be talking about the unseen allies. Who are the allies to the evil one? We'll look at the strategies, the unseen strategies. We'll be looking at the unseen armor, what we can do to resist and to fight. Everything we're going to do I can tell you right now, parents, don't be concerned. You got kids here. Oh, this is going to scare. They're going. No, no, no. We're not going to do that. In fact, the reality is we have every reason because of this for our kids to have the greatest confidence and hope because of a text that we will go over and over, week in and week out. First John four four, where it says, "Greater is He that is in you than He that's in the world." And will understand the beauty and the glory of what we as Christians have to hope in and to understand for our daily life. There is a whole lot to be covered. I'm going to invite you, come weekly. If you miss, pick up the podcast. Weeks like this week, there's going to be a lot of data that I couldn't put in your bulletin. It'd be too much. I don't want you to try to take notes and try to take it down. Know that you can go to perimeter.org. Go to our podcast, and the notes are there every week, and anything I'm listing or saying, it's there. You can pull it off so you don't have to sit here. Just try to, try to get the bigger picture and understanding 
of what we're talking about. Having said that, I'm going to invite you, if you will, to uh, be turning in your Bibles to first or to Second Kings, chapter six, verses eight through eighteen. We're going to be looking today at three truths concerning the unseen world in general. In doing so, I'm going to I'm going to share three truths that I think are going to pretty much take the basic teachings in all of God's Word about this subject matter and bring it into a simple, clear understanding so we've got something to work with. We'll build a framework today. The first of these three truths go like this. The unseen world is filled with angelic beings. A lot of discussion in our minds and hearts about that one. Real, not real, hmm, who knows? The unseen world filled with angelic beings. Let's read 2 Kings 6, beginning in verse 8. Now the king of Aram, and Aram is another word for Syria. We know that name today. Now the king of Aram was warring against Israel, and he counseled with his servants, saying, in such and such a place shall be my camp. The man of God, now let's stop. The man of God refers to Elisha. And many of us know Elijah, but this was the prophet that followed Elijah named Elisha, and he is nicknamed the man of God. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel saying, beware that you do not pass this place, the place where Aram would be king of Aram, for the Arameans, and there's the Syrians, are coming down there. Verse 10, the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God had told him. Thus, he warned him so that he guarded himself there more than once or twice. Now, the heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you tell me which of us is for the king of Israel? If you're not following, here's the story. Basically, this is where Syria is going, and they're at war with Israel, and Israel is finding out where they're going before they even go there. And the king realizes that and says to his people, okay, who, who's the one? Who's the snitch? Who's the one doing it? Who's telling Somebody in here is giving information to Israel. And his servant says, no, it's not either. It's this guy, Elisha. I'm telling you, king, he knows what's going on in your bedroom when you speak. And he's telling. He's telling the Israelites what we're doing. One of his servants, uh, so he said, verse 13, so he said, go and see where he is, that I may send and take him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he is in Dothan. He sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. 
When they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people with blindness, I pray. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. The story basically saying, here are a host of angels that man cannot see naturally, but through prayer was given the ability to see and say, oh, I didn't know that that's who fights on my behalf. You hear this story. You believe it? You believe in history that this actually happened? I know many, so I, I, I don't buy it. Uh, maybe it. Maybe it happened in their perception, but it was a vision, it was something, but there weren't real angels there that actually were guarding it. Others would say, may happen then, maybe once, but what does that have to do with day? I'm not sure that's happening today. All different views. Well, the truth of it is that it is happening today, and, and there are records of it. I'm going to share some stories through the series. I mentioned one right now. It comes out of the book Angels by Billy Graham. Some of our youngest people don't know the name, but Billy Graham uh, would be considered in the last generation uh, probably one of the handful of most respected, admired Christian leaders that lived. He's still alive in his 90s, but uh, has no public ministry right now. He shares in this book, Angels, about a, a missionary in the New Hebrides Islands, which are in the South Pacific. This was a pioneer missionary. It goes like this. Hostile natives surrounded his mission headquarters one night, intent on burning the Pattons out and killing them. John Patton and his wife prayed all during that terror-filled night that God would deliver them. When daylight came, they were amazed to see that unaccountably the attackers had left. They thanked God for delivering them. A year later, the chief of the tribe was converted to Christ. Mr. Patton, remembering what had happened, asked the chief what had kept him and his men from burning down the house and killing them. The chief replied in surprise, Who are all those men you had with you there? The missionary answered, there were no men there, just my wife and me. The chief argued that they had seen many men standing, standing guard, hundreds of men in shining garments with drawn swords in their hands. They seemed to circle the mission state, station so that the natives were afraid to attack. Only then did Mr. Patton realize that God had sent his angels to protect them. The chief agreed that there was no other explanation it gives meaning to texts such as Psalm 34, 7. This is David, the psalmist, as we know him, the king of Israel, said, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. And then Psalm 91, verse 11, for he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. That was a promise given for all mankind who are followers of our God through Christ. Isn't that amazing? David and the other psalmists, the unknown psalmists of the next psalm that I just read, they believed in it, certainly believed there was a guardian, angelic force for the people of God. If it were true, maybe it is, maybe it isn't in some of your thinking, but if it is true, would that not make a difference in your life? And that's only the beginning because we haven't even addressed the evil angels. 
Do you know that there are over 300 references in the Bible to angels? 300. Apparently, the people who were used of God to write the books of the Bible, they believed in angels. Do you know that every single New Testament author spoke of the demonic angels? They certainly believed in their existence. We had some uh, friends here from Guatemala, people we partner with. Many of you know them. After the first service, they came up and we were talking. I said, I, I've been with you in Guatemala. Th this is no doubt among your, your people, is it? Oh, no. No, no. I said, we're Western. This, is, this hits us differently here. It's real. Now, having said that, let's just do a little survey here, understand a little bit about the angelic world. Let's begin with angels in general. I'll call them good angels in their design, in their early design as they were created by God. First of all, and I'll give you six basic teachings that I find in Scripture. Number one, they are spirits created by God. They are a creation of God, and they are spirits only without body. Number two, they have a threefold commission. Let me mention the commission in their original design to worship God. Number two, to carry out his specific requests or tasks, missions that they were given. And number three, to actually minister to the people of God. That's where texts such as Hebrews 1 comes in, where it says in verse 14, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? And interesting, those who will inherit. I, I believe those angelic beings are serving even in the state of not being a believer and escorting them into that place. Or we, we read in Psalm, in, uh, I'm sorry, in uh, Matthew 18.10, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. I want you to remember that when I tell you a story about a little child in a swimming pool coming up. Remember that verse right there. Next, we see, thirdly, we find that they can take bodily form. You'll find that in Scripture on numerous occasions. They can take bodily form. Number four, they have emotions and wills. We find in Scripture that the, that the uh, uh, angels actually have joy when someone comes to faith, so they actually express the emotion. They, uh, they're extremely powerful, number five. They're extremely powerful. Uh, we read in, in the Scriptures that, that they're mighty in strength, and you can read in the next chapter, uh, right, maybe 10 or 11 chapters later in 2 Kings, you read where the, the uh, angel of God, one angel killed 185,000 Syrians in one day. So uh, just uh, amazing the power of these angels. We have no comprehension. And then sixthly, last, they are innumerable, meaning we, we don't know how many, but it does say myriads upon myriads. Myriads is a term that's used to talk about an unexplainable large number. Our text, many of them say thousands upon thousands. We have no idea how many, but, but it just must be beyond comprehension. Now, a word about the evil angels, just to give us a platform here to stand on the rest of the series. These are fallen angels. We think of the original angel that fell, 
uh, Lucifer, and then those that went with him that fell are called demons, typically in Scripture. So you'll see that for you that are new to the Bible. Five teachings about the evil angels. Number one, they are deceitful. Let me give you the text in, in Revelation 12, verse 9. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So he's very deceitful. We're going to be talking over the weeks, what power to deceive does he have? But know that he is deceitful, though he's limited in what he can do to deceive. We'll get to that later. Next, they possess, they can possess people and can communicate. You have the text such in Matthew 8 where two men cry out, and it's actually not them crying out, it's the demons within them that cry out. I've been in places in the world, in the uh, Mideast uh, and, and other places as well, where I've been there where there have been demonic possessions that I mean just amaze, you just stand and you see the deliverance when deliverance happens. And it's just as you would read in the Scriptures of the New Testament. Perhaps we discuss that later in the series. Why is there such a difference in the Western world and, and the rest of the world today? Next, number three, they can cause physical and mental disorders. This is where a lot of misinformation gets going, where people go to extremes. Everything is demonic. If you've got a problem, it's demonic here. You've got to be careful. We're going to resist that but certainly not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Can there be and are there physical and mental disorders? Yes, I'm sure some of us today are dealing with such, but we're not dealing with the right response because we're not actually believing that could be a factor and how to discern if it is or is not. Number four, they can produce signs and wonders. There are many occults today that have much following because of the signs and wonders that are being performed many of which are legitimatized. They're known to be validated. They're true. But it shouldn't shock us because Scripture teaches us that they can produce signs and wonders. Number five, they have a hierarchy within their ranks. If we were to, and we will get to the study of the, the armor of God in Ephesians 6, but there you'll see that it talks about rulers, which is uh, interpreted to be the preeminent ones. And then powers those are authorities, kind of understood to be second uh, in, in charge. And then, in general, the, uh, the world forces and the spiritual forces. All this to say, here's a world of angelic beings, both good and evil, and it affects the way we're going to live as we will close this message and see. We cannot just wake up, Christian, every day saying, it's all about the deal today. It's all about the fun today, and I fight that as much as you do and have to go back and say, but there is a real world out there that's unseen. There is a battle raging, which is where we go now as we look at the second of the three truths. These angelic beings are constantly engaged in spiritual warfare. They're fighting one another, and they're fighting against us or for us, depending upon which angelic being it may be. Four overarching teachings, just to get the bigger picture. Number one, the war was begun in heaven, Isaiah 14, 22 and following. This is the story that tells when Lucifer as a good angel chooses to want the power of God and to be like God. 
We read in the text, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the Most High. And with that, he's cast from the presence of God. Now, we're going to be talking next week about a war that continues. It's a different war, and it's called a war in Scripture. And it's going to be a casting out, but it'll be unlike this. This is the first time he is what we're going to call cast out of heaven. All right? Now his, he is roaring about the world in which we know as earth. Number two, Satan and his angels are not in hell. Many think that's where they are. No, no, no. They're waiting their consignment to hell. Uh, but now, as it says in 1 Peter 5, they're, he is roaring and his demonic beings are like a lion seeking whom they may devour. And so the battle is on. 1 Peter 5, 8, that text. Number three, he is limited in power. And this is going to be important for us to understand next week. He is limited in power. He is not omni-anything. He's not omnipresent. A, de a, a demon is not omnipresent, not omniscient. None of the omnis. I mean, it just, he's not and they are not, and we have to understand that. And that's why we can say greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So he's limited. He can no longer deceive all the nations since the death of Christ. Since the death and resurrection of Christ, he is defeated. He is one that fights, though defeated. We'll have to talk what that means. He is still permitted to do much, which I will close the last thought and say, what can he and is he doing? But let's look at number four. The battle was brought to mankind in Genesis 3 in the Garden of Eden. That's where it began. In chapter 3, in about the 15th verse, it talks about the enmity that's now brought, uh, that's in the fight. And the, en the word enmity there means hostility. It's used of rebellion. There is a war for the souls of mankind. And we have been brought in to that war. Now, having said that, we come to our third and final teaching. Every human life is affected by these angelic beings. Whether we know it or not, we are being affected. Let's first of all think about the good angels. I think every one of us probably has some hair-raising account of, of a close call, as we would think it, where we could have easily been killed and, and, and something happened and amazingly we, we came out okay. And we wonder, oh, was there anything to do with angels involved with that? Listen to this story. This is, again, out of the book Angels by Billy Graham. It's about a Philadelphia neurologist. It reads like this. A celebrated Philadelphia neurologist had gone to bed after an exceptionally tiring day. Suddenly, he was awakened by someone knocking on his door. Opening it, he found a little girl poorly dressed and deeply upset. She told him her mother was very sick and asked him if he would please come and help her. It was a bitterly cold, snowy night, but though he was bone-tired, the doctor dressed and followed the girl. As the Reader Di Reader's Digest reports the story, he found the mother desperately ill with pneumonia. After a, 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 uh, arranging for medical care, he complimented the sick woman on the intelligence and persistence of her little daughter. The woman, 
looked at him strangely and then said, my daughter died a month ago. She added her shoes and coat are in the closet door right over there. Amazed and perplexed, the doctor went to the closet, opened the door. There hung the very coat worn by the little girl who had brought him to tend to her mother. It was warm and dry, could not have possibly been out in the wintry night. Could the doctor have been called in the desperate, in the hour of desperate need by an angel who appeared as the woman's young daughter? Was the work, was this the work of God's angels on behalf of the sick woman? I have a, uh, a lot of fun when I'm meeting with some pastors and we gather and, and we love telling stories. Just tell the, the stories of the unseen that you've experienced and been a part of. Some intriguing accounts. You've all heard the name Frank Barker, who had mentored me and I think is all people I know and the most godly of, of all men I could imagine. He told the stories. We were doing this one day, not that awfully long ago, but he was telling the story of one of his grandchildren. He said, a little grandchild, wherever they were, vacationing, wasn't at their home, I know, but somewhere there was a swimming pool and they were all about and the kids and grandkids and all were around and apparently with neglect, a little, little child who could not swim at all was uh, near the pool and fell in the pool without anyone aware. After a, a few moments, they heard some screaming and looked over, and there was the little grandchild who was sitting on the edge of the pool, totally soaked, had fallen in the water. And when crying and came up to the child and seeing what was the problem, said, what happened? Said, I fell in the water. And said, how did you get out, knowing that the child would not be capable to do so? And she said, Gil, which is her older brother, Gil jumped in and pulled me out. They went to get Gil, and Gil was dry, had not been near the pool, and said, I didn't pull her out. I remember Frank saying, I believe it was an angel of God. Oh, sure. Why couldn't we? Because we have to see it to believe it. Because we can't believe that something beyond our intelligence could actually be real without us understanding it fully. Folks, there is an angelic world. And all you got to do is travel around the world and get into the heart of the battle in certain places and you leave saying, this world is real. And we want to understand this world. We need to know. We don't need to go in unawares and live life as if there's no war, if there's no battle, there's no angelic beings. Oh, no, we better be prepared. So in closing, what about the evil angels? We're going to go there next week. We're going to talk about the unseen enemy. This will not be anything you have to worry about bringing your kids. Everybody's judgment line may be, I mean, I know different, but I don't think it'd be an issue. Certainly not. In fact, if anything, we ought to leave here saying, wow, have we got it made. Are we not in a good place? Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in where? The world. We know that. Now, what the evil one can do is he can tempt, he can deceive, he can't deceive the nations as we'll see next week, but he can deceive us individually. He can no longer accuse us before God, as we'll understand, but he can't accuse us to us and make us feel worthless and hopeless. 
If it is true, just put the if there. If it is true that he can tempt, he can deceive, he can accuse, don't you think it would be worth our time to figure out how do I deal with that on a day-to-day basis? How do I live with that reality going on? I'll tell you what will happen as you embrace this more and more. See, it's my job to help you first believe and then to understand the unseen world. And then we wake up in the day and we say, okay, let me get rid of what I naturally think, that this is all about what I'm going to do today in the job, what I'm going to do with the family, what I'm going to do in my pleasure. This is about a war that exists between God and his kingdom and the evil one in his kingdom. And we've been placed in the kingdom of this earth and we have got to learn how to fight. Then we realize this, that he went to the cross so that he would have to die so that we would not have to die in that war. And as soon as his death is paid for us and our redemption has been made true, now we are brought into the fight. And we have to fight for our own souls. It is a fight. We can't just live. We have to fight as we live. But we also have been commissioned to go fight on behalf of others who do not understand the war that exists. And particularly those who are downcast and and who are poor and don't have the resources and so forth and so on. And it's hard for them to see anything but just what's right in front of them. All of us call to say, let's go into the world and let us get busy in the battle itself. It'll change the way you live your every day. And what's so interesting to me is the more you live for pleasure, the more you live trying to forget the war and the ugly of the war, the harder life really is. Not that your circumstances are better or worse. It's just harder to live whatever the circumstances. And the more we're in the battle, the greater the thrill of life. And it bothers me that I'm not further in the fight, and it grieves me that many of you are not in the fight. Redeemed but not in the fight? You must not understand there's an unseen world, and it's a real world, and it's one that we win the battle. So the good news is we don't ever have to worry about losing. We win the battle. The war is ours. The skirmishes, we got to figure out how do we deal with it day to day. And that's what the rest of the series is about. A word to you that are seekers, I encourage you, hang in here too. One of my friends from Guatemala that came up, he said, not a very popular subject for uh, seekers. (laughs) I said, no, it's really not, is it? But a very important one. Yes, it is. A very important one. You need to go to the cross. I hope you see the war and the war and the ugliness of the war and the hardship of the war will drive you to the place of great satisfaction. Go to the cross and find your sins forgiven. Find your role and identity and who he is. Just go see. What does it mean that he died for sinners? Just explore it. Read the scriptures. Get to know who Jesus is. And my prayer, even as I close right now, will be that some of you, even this moment, unexplained, would have the birth of a love in your heart for one that you found out has died for you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask you, would you hear the hearts of some here that are strangely confused about a desire to follow you now? 
but delighted to know that they can. Would you now walk into their existence and penetrate their life and draw them into a newness of life even right now? And for the rest of us that are your children who have been living as if blind to the realities of the unseen, I pray, open our eyes. May we start seeing things that we've never seen before. And may it push us further into the fight with joy and delight to serve our King and Master. So we love you. We thank you. Bless this series once again, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.